0: Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily, and we are back to daily. Seven days a week through the end of the season. That begins now. No days off. And on Mondays, we always bring them in from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It's Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are we doing? I am doing great. Very fun weekend for Philadelphia sports. Yeah, no kidding, right? The Eagles go to five and zero. Mm-hmm. Philly sweep out the Cardinals, and well, the Flyers are set to begin a season where maybe expectations aren't the highest. But now with you know training camp in the rearview mirror, Bill, and a lot of roster moves made, and Zach McEwen, we know about Cam York. What's your biggest takeaway? Is it the Cam York uh, being sent down to the Phantoms? That
1: that certainly that certainly was the move that landed with the biggest impact. Um, you know, I, I you know, I guess also the there's a hopeful sign that they're creeping towards getting healthier too. Um, still see about Cam Atkinson, although John Tortorella said he's he's confident he's going to play opening night, but you know, it looks like Farabee's going to be ready to go opening night. Um, Carter Hart's looked good at practice the last couple of days. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to look to be at, at mostly full capacity. It seems that way anyway. So still a few days to go, but as long as Atkinson is sound, and I said Faraby line up opening and then it's just a question of getting Katori healthy and he's been skating. Actually he um he came off the ice after about about a forty five minute skate. Now he's not there yet, there's still no timetable, but it's certainly certainly looking a lot better than that it sounded, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. you know that that to me is a big positive. Um and, and the last couple of practices have been you know, the, 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 there's definitely been a Really good tempo to them. I, I don't know what they're gonna do when the season starts. Only anybody knows, truly. But um, you know, but they're looking more like a hockey team, you know, and and uh just just by how it, it, it was hard with so many players in camp and so many injuries and, and so many so many young players playing five of the six preseason games and then just kind of filling in around that, you know, obviously the record was not desirable even in a preseason environment but you know there'll be a better gauge come opening night
0: so yeah well but you know the the natural question of the fan base is in regards to guys coming back like farabee or atkinson or maybe couturier eventually is are they going to come back at the right time because we've seen a lot of guys over the last couple of years come back in and then head back out for an extended period of time um uh, you know caution you know you got to be cautious. And, you know, take care of guys and make sure they're good to go. And we saw some of that caution in the preseason with, you know, Provorov. Because you know if it was regular season, there's no way Provorov yeah. is missing those games. There's no way. Connect uh, Me as well. Uh, but now we're getting ready for the regular season. How did they get so far ahead on the timeline on Joel Farabee? I was surprised. I remember sending you a text back a couple yeah. weeks before camp in, in mid-August that he was skating with some people that I knew and pushing hard. And he just seemed to recover really well here.
1: Yeah, he's he's three three weeks to a month ahead of the, the timetable that, that they had. Yeah, we we're uh, here
0: in almost Thanksgiving, right? Initially.
1: Yeah. At one point that was like the worst case scenario was was uh, you know, like late November, and the you know, the front end of the scenario was late October. And and here it is, maybe ready for opening night, if not ready for opening night within the first week of the season at least. So I mean, he's he's just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I, I started to think, hey, I, he he might be ready sooner than sooner than, than uh, the timetable was when, you know, and maybe it's not the smartest thing to do, but he he was on he was good for no contact practice and he was basically ignoring it. He was getting it as much you know much con not as much contact as he as he could, but he certainly was initiating contact and, you know, he he said about a week he said within this last week that. Guys were saying, "Well, is it okay if you know if I hit you?" And
0: he said, yeah. "Sure, go ahead." Yeah, he and, wasn't evading, right? He wasn't evading contact.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and he said that he said that it you know was somewhat by design that that he talked to they talked to Jack Eichel, and you know he had a little trepidation about what's going to be like when you start taking contact. And Eichel said it was the same thing, and, and until you get hit a couple times, and you're okay, you know that's always in the back of your mind. And then that uh, you kind of you kind of clear that mental hurdle, then if you are you can go through that and you're okay. And he said it was full speed ahead from there. So you know, so hopefully, I mean, you 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 just never know, right? You you, you don't know until a guys in game action. Um, hopefully, nothing recurs. Nothing recurs with Carter Hart when as he said when the time comes with Kotori. I mean, you don't you don't know. You don't know until the guys playing and you, you can exhale after a little while that it, that it seems like he's holding up so and you know it's a hopeful sign but you you can't say they're they're truly out of the woods till well they're truly out of the woods you know
0: yeah and that just that's going to take time to, to have that answer and you know for this podcast like we want we want answers now but some answers okay. you can't get now um as far as cam york going down bill um you know what does he got to do now to get back up here permanently because we thought, I mean, the opportunity was there to be on a third pair with a veteran right side guy and Justin Braun. Um, you know, he played a decent amount last year with a few different partners, including Ivan Proveroff and played on the right side. Uh, but he came into this camp, did not have a great camp. And this coaching staff is looking at the long play. And I love what Torch said. He said, um, we need him to not just be a good player, but be an impact player. Basically when we're, when we're a winning team, he said, I don't know when that's going to be, But these lessons that, and these moves that are made now are ultimately to getting him to that level faster and permanently. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, Tortorello was saying
1: that he wants him to be aggressive. Um, uh, You got a little, uh, some people said it's a a mixed message, a conflicting message. I don't see it that way. Um, Ian LaParrière talked about him making the simple play and making the routine play routinely i don't think he, I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive you know i i think that you you don't you don't make the fifty foot pass you know if uh the ten foot pass is the better play in that situation mm-hmm. and, and just having your you don't force it you yeah. don't you don't force it you don't force it that that's really that's really the central message but just be plugged in all three zones you know for uh, and and this is what brad Shaw said you know making an impact. For 40 seconds, whatever zone you're in. Absolutely, Cam York has that upside to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Tortorella said, we're not throwing the guy away. We're just pushing him. We're pushing him to be better. Um, You know, I I think what what Cam has to do is he has to go to Allentown with a good attitude about it. You know, with uh, a little bit of an I'll show you kind of Kind of attitude, but not in a not in a negative way in a competitive way, hey, you know you made a mistake sending me down yep. and you know and, and i'm i uh, I'm intent on rectifying that so that, that that's really it um you know the hopefully hopefully plays the level where he's back up soon and and he's back up to stay um uh Brian Smith did an article the other day about a a lot of players who've who started with some disappointment in terms of going back to the minor league team. Like in the case of, uh, in the case of Travis Sandheim um, who spent a full year in the AHL, he came up to the Flyers 2017, 18 started the year with the team sometime around a little after mid season actually was sent back down to the Phantoms again to get more playing time. That can, that can be really hard on a player. You know, you think you're part of the NHL team, go back down and, I mean, Travis handled it great. He came back up, and he's never been back down again since then. Um, you know, we've brought up this example before, too, of Claude Giroux being so many expectations for him coming off of a monster year in junior hockey and uh, a, a uh, playoff run that was one of the best ever in Canadian junior hockey. Um, made his debut for the Flyers. It was an emergency call, but, you know, in Ottawa and when the shootout and all that, and so many expectations, and he had a just-okay camp, and they sent him down. And he came back up about a quarter of the way into the season, and he never went back down again. I mean, you know, a a lot of guys. uh, Bill Barber, even, Hall of Famer, um, thought he was going to – thought he had the inside track to make the team in 72-73, was cut, started out of the Richmond Robins, came up, never went back down again. Cam can be one of the, Cam can be one of those guys too. Just has to go down with with the right mindset about it and and take care of business.
0: Yeah. He's not the first guy to do this. I mean, Scott Lawton played an entire NHL season, went back and played an entire AHL season. It came back up and never has never gone back down. And, you know, it can be humbling to these athletes at bill because they, at every level at when you get to the NHL at every level, you were not getting, you know, sent back down or, you know, you don't get cut from teams per se. when when you've grown up as an elite player like that and it's humbling and it's something that they're not used to but to play at the highest level you got to do that and i think the urgency to his game you know i think some people like i agree with you misread that quote about being aggressive you know there's aggressive that is overly aggressive and stupid incurs too much risk but when it plays there, don't be afraid to make it. Yeah. Which leads me to a big question mark I have heading into this season. And we've talked about it. Tony D'Angelo and Ivan Provorov. We've seen very little game action of the two. They played together just the one night. And as Torts, would they asked about it, he said they stunk. Uh, but that's a pairing that's going to have to come together and going to have to come together, maybe not perfectly right away, but it's got to come together to some level because it's a very important role as a top-pairing defenseman.
1: No, no question. An absolute necessity. Um, part of it too is the Flyers have to become a better puck possession team. Part of the thought process behind putting this pairing together is to to work to being just that. To being um and actually when when um Pro was asked the other day about put system, he said, you know, it's so puck pressure intensive that if you execute the right way, you're going to have more puck possession. We'll see. We'll see because it, it, it comes down to the execution side of it. Um, you know, one of the areas that that's going to be, and I it, it might work very well for Provorov. Um, you know, one of the things that for D'Angelo and, and in your own in your own zone, everybody looks to his D partner anyway. So that, that's not that's nothing new. But as you're up ice, he said his first look is to his partner, and that that's something that you know could really benefit Provorov actually. You know, as they go along. Then, you know, then there's the other side of the puck, too. There, there, are two, there are two guys who want the puck on their stick a lot. Um, uh, D'Angelo is a guy who will take his fair share of gambles. Many will pay off. Some won't. Um, You know, Tortorella described it as when you're that aggressive, sometimes you're going to give up some 2-1-1s. You have to play the 2-1 right, and you have goalies for a reason. Well, uh, you know, all of that being true, um I you want to see those two guys click. You want to see them communicate well. You want to see how when there is a little bit of adversity, um, you know, maybe a goal or two is behind you and and that pairings involved that they just put it aside and keep moving forward. It, it it's going to be an interesting mixture of personalities there, both both hockey-wise and and just off-ice-wise and see how they how they blend together. It's an it's an unknown until they prove it, right? So um That's that's definitely a big X factor coming into the season. And with all the number of minutes they're going to play, it's 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 critical that they they find a way to click.
0: Yeah, they absolutely are. You're right. When they face some adversity, if they find a way to pull themselves out of it, sometimes, you know, when things aren't going well, but go out there and have a really good shift where the two of them do some dynamic things and really recapture momentum or tilt the ice again because of plays that they've made as a group, as a pairing. I think it's going to be paramount. And to see some you know, elements of that early on, I think will be a really good thing. You know, The other thing, Bill, with the other D pairing, when you're looking at Rasmus Ristelainen and, and Travis Sanheim, we all know that Sanheim is going into his final year of his contract up against UFA status, ultimate yeah. motivator in sports, by the way. Those two developed a nice chemistry last year. They haven't been together a lot this year. I talked to Travis about it, and he said, Hey, that's there's a comfort level there. Those two got to pick up right where they left off last year and perhaps be even better.
1: I, I, absolutely and, and uh, you know with Sandheim, there there's there's always been such a high ceiling on Travis's game. Uh, last year he hit a higher level of consistency than he'd ever shown before in his career. Um, you know, I, I think he's capable of still getting even a little bit better. Um and and as you said. Uh, the, you know, there, there's a comfort level between the two of them. Um, I don't think Rissa Allen's had a great camp preseason, and we, but he's been banged up too. So, getting him healthy, getting it's funny because you remember he started last year injured too. Yeah, um, you know, um, but just getting him healthy, getting getting those who just just you know back in back in their their zone, so to speak. And it, 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 uh, I that that's another important thing. They're going to be a 20 minute a guy, 20 minute night guys too, especially with the third pairing kind of in flux heading into the season. Those top four guys, those have to be the the backbone of your decor, and then the third pair is going to be for support. So, yeah, I mean, for for the team to improve, for to have some stability and and all all those other things, it, it's really, It's really both of those pairings. Um, we saw what we saw what the pairing looked like last year when they were both going pretty well, which was largely. Uh, I would say largely from December onward. Uh it took it took we're still on a little bit of time to find his bearings. And then they they found a way of working, playing together that worked. So that's uh they have they have some know how in doing it. They have the experience. Again, you know, till you till you find that rhythm together. Um and it would have been ideal had they been able to play together throughout camp in the preseason. Injuries precluded that a little bit. But that's uh that that's a, that's another key here with especially cuz this is such a tough early schedule for the Flyers overall and to me um if they can even kind of hang around hockey 500 or so for the first month that's not a, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a bad showing for the team not, not in my estimation
0: yeah i mean one of the guys Bill, you know when this season's all said and done i think it's paramount for the comeback player of the year. I don't even know if you could use that. He led the team in scoring last year with 16 goals and 36 assists. And Travis Connectney, he had 52 points in those 79 games. But he, to me, is a paramount player to really have a good season again. And, you know, ever since the bubble, he hasn't just hasn't scored as many goals. He's been better with, you know, playmaking and setting up goals. But He needs to put that total package together this year because he's a guy that can score from the greasy areas around the net, and he's a guy that can score off the rush. He's a guy that can play with tempo up the wing and really be a big personality for this team. I think it's paramount. If they're going to have a a season where they move some things forward, Travis Konechny is going to have to be a really big part of that, especially with Sean Couturier out.
1: No question. He has to be one of the guys at the front of the line. Yep, and pulling guys into the fight. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that uh is always walk that line where getting under opponent's skin versus doing something undisciplined that's going to hurt your own team. And mm-hmm. that's uh, whether it was defensively or, you know, a, a retaliatory slash that would take a penalty at a bad time. Just those kind of maturity in his game and finding that, that right balance. Um, I thought it was interesting. And he mentioned it, even on exit day, he's reiterated it in in camp, that actually, this is an example to me of a a positive way to use analytics, where he was looking video, he saw the analytics of where he was shooting from, and he says, it clicked for him, okay, that's why I'm not scoring. And some of it, to me, some of it was, um, you could watch it, he was shooting a lot from above and outside the dot, and you're not going to score there. (laughs) And... Getting, getting Konechny between and below the dots is crucial for him returning to at least the form he had in, in the bubble year when he was an NHL All Star, when it looked like he was really one of the up and coming players. And he's had hot streaks since, and even last year, he started on a little bit of a hot streak, um, sustaining it over the course of a season. Um, Faraby's another one. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's nice for them to go off on streaks, but you don't want them falling into a spell where. It's been the last fourteen games since they scored though those guys have to those guys have to lead the way uh, on a team that's gonna be scoring by committee they have to be regular contributors. I don't think there's any way around that and having the team being a competitive club,
0: yeah, I think he's just gonna mean so much for this team and you know th- th- for his ability to score off the rush, I think it's just such a big part of it for him because. Uh, They're not a team that's built to score off the rush. So when they get those opportunities, he Atkinson's a guy who can score off the rush JBR sometimes Farabee can, uh, but they they don't have a lot of that. The next question bill is about Kevin Hayes Um, because we saw when torts was introduced that he said, I think there's more there and I'm he's, and he said several times over the summer, I've talked to Kevin quite a bit and those two have had a lot of conversations and torts is really going to push Kevin Hayes and, he physically looks much better than he did at any time last year, even though I thought at the end he finished pretty strong considering where he was earlier in the season. Uh, but this is a really important season for Kevin Hayes. You know, again, Couturier out of the lineup to start with. We'll see how long that lingers. Elevates him into a, a role where it's maybe not ideal, but ideal, nobody cares about ideal. It's time to start a season. Uh, Hayes has got to be a big factor for them as well.
1: No, absolutely. No, no question about it. Um, came to ca- camp in really good shape. And when they're doing the skating test on day one, he was actually one of the guys who handled it the best, which was really nice to see.
0: Which you, um, you were stunned by too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's not his game. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and it's not just about speed. It was just the stamina of that. Yep. Uh, and that's that's really what they were testing anyway, more than, you know, flat out speed. It was the guys who do how to pace themselves through that. I mean, I thought it was that was just exhausting watching the skating test on day one. Um and, and Hayes has had certainly more than his share of good moments, whether it was in the uh whether it was in the scrimmages and a couple of preseason games. I still think there's another level of consistency. Um that, that he has to reach certain plays he cannot make in a in a John Totarello system. The dangling around the neutral zone. Um that that's a no no in, in uh you know, and, and towards system. So that's one of the things that, Hayes is going to have to keep going north. Don't, don't keep you know, kind of going in circles. And and then there were, then there are still sometimes he'll make makes a bunch of good plays, but sometimes there'll be times he still gets caught napping a little bit out there. These are the things that uh, Dino pushed him on. It's certainly was something that Tortorella is going to push him on. Uh, at Sunday's practice, there was a play along the wall and, uh, he was a little bit unaware and, and uh, Noah Cates picked his pocket clean and he heard about it. I mean, it wasn't yelled at, but you know, and he was nodding his head. Like he knew, yep. he knew so, but The but that's one of the guys who has to be one of your tone setters. And uh, just, just, you know, just some of those, those little, some of those little details like that, that just doing, doing things a little bit more consistently. And uh, certainly though he's a big, strong player and, and sees the ice well and was a clever passer and, all those other things. So taking taking a big part of the leadership role, especially while Couturier is out, again, something one of those big things you look for.
0: Um, one of the guys that we've certainly kept a very close eye on both last year under Mike Yo and through this camp and preseason, and we've seen a lot of them in the preseason, is Morgan Frost. Uh, Billy's got this great opportunity in front of him, along with guys like Owen Tippett, Noah Cates, and others. But at Wade Allison. But when you look at uh, Morgan Frost coming in this year, I thought we saw more consistent flashes of what he should be. We still saw some mistakes. His game was not perfectly refined. It's not supposed to be in the preseason. What's your expectation of Frost heading in this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna put numbers onto it. Yeah. My but my expectation from Morgan is this: that keep your feet moving, keep you know, keep hustling in on the forecheck. Um, get, get puck touches and be, you know, make plays, make plays. Don't, don't be, don't be afraid to crack some eggs once in a while. Tortorella actually said on, uh, I think it was on Saturday on Saturday that what's jumped out of him at camp. And, you know, he said he's had a good camp he, without reserving that he said he's had a good camp. He said he watches, watches Morgan's play away from the puck. Um, and it's been good. He said, "Keep showing me something there," and uh, I one one that I want to play offensively, but just just keep up the play off the puck, which has been good, and he's been outstanding on faceoffs. Um, took more faceoffs than anyone on the team in the preseason. Was sixty percent on him. I mean, that's a it's fantastic percentage. And in the, in on his strong side circle on the left side, he was at seventy percent actually. So uh, he actually dominated the, the left circle. Um, if if he can be Consistently, the guy that he was at uh, Sunday's practice, because he was just he was just feathering beautiful passes. If you go on YouTube, Olivia Reiner's um, Twitter page, there there's a clip from one of the uh, power play practice sequences. He he just makes a gorgeous pass to Noah Cates, who's who's coming in from up high, right on the tape, right in the back, and that Carter Hart had no chance on it. And he had yeah. several other plays like that. He had a give and go sequence uh, with Wade Allison. Um, where Frost ended up scoring on it. There was another one where uh, he banked one off the end wall on purpose and uh and Allison knocked that one in that was on a power play. And then he also uh he also had what would have been a power play assist on on the goal that Lawton scored. And he was just he had his head up the whole time, was aggressive, he wanted the puck on a stick. That that's the guy I wanna say. And yeah. if and if he does that, points will take care of itself. Um even if he's on even he's on the second power play unit. I mean that's uh whether he's slotted as the two C or the three C that's the, that's the player he needs to be. Um, I, I'm not expecting him to play a leading role in the team. It, it, you know, he still is a relatively inexperienced player. He's still going to make some mistakes, but, but do the things he's done in camp, keep it up. Cause there's, they're going to be uh, ebbs and flows during the season. Don't, don't, you know, don't fall back into a shell and just, just stay confident. Um, which is, which is what, uh, Sky Lawton said about him on, on Sunday. that That's the whole key with Frosty. He said that he has a skill level that's higher than most players, most players even veteran players. And just, just be assertive and confident and, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top with him. So that, that's, really, that's really what I want to see. And, again, it's not about a number, not about 60 points or 55 points
0: or whatever, whatever number you want to put. It's, it's just a way of playing. Yeah, I think a big part of it, too, you use the word ebbs and flows. It, it, it's working your way out of ebbs and riding flows and lengthening flows in the season uh, by being aggressive and being creative. Uh, you mentioned Carter Hart. The goaltending situation certainly looks like he's going to be able to go on Thursday. I know Torch even said last week, uh, if Carter's cleared on the 12th, he's playing on the 13th. <laughs> you know, that's his guy. Uh, he's going to get the start. Um, uh, but the backup goaltending situation has been... An interesting one through camp. Grosnick, obviously, was put through waivers. Urson, uh, I thought, was the best goalie in camp. And then you look at, uh, obviously, Sandstrom is a guy that's battled as well. How does this play out?
1: As long as Felix is healthy, um, he's the number two. If Urson were to be the number two, you'd have to put Sandstrom through waivers. Um, Erson clear, is
0: clear, I would assume, right?
1: And he'd have to clear, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would think he would clear, but... Still, you never, you know...
0: GM in waivers, Pittsburgh may yeah. play games there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wait, waivers are so unpredictable. Sometimes you you see a guy who gets claimed, you never would have figured it'd be claimed, and then there are other guys who just hold your breath to you mm-hmm. get them through. I mean, look at a uh, you know, former flyer now, Nick aubay Cubell. One year he's waived, he wasn't claimed. And uh, the next year he was waived, he was claimed. And and you don't know. Um and he dented year, the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, he dented the Stanley Cup and has the ink to prove it, right? Uh, and the ring too, even more importantly. But um, you know, just just speaking of the unpredictability of waivers, just for a second, you know, Adam Brooks, who's now back, who's now down with the Phantoms. Last year, I mean, it, it's crazy that he started the year in Toronto or in camp. He was in camp with Toronto, who drafted him originally. Um, I think he was claimed by Vegas. And then he was waived by Vegas and reclaimed by Toronto. And then they had somebody get healthy, so they had to re-waive him. And um, he, he was claimed again. And so he, he had to go back to Toronto, and then he was waived again, and then he ended up in Winnipeg. And he, so he was he was waived and claimed three or four times last season. And he waived, you know. So, I mean, it, you know, I know players want to play in the NHL, but that's, that's pretty brutal where you're hopscotching across North America and, you know. Yeah, where know. are you?
0: Where are you picking up your mail at, man?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you just you just don't know. You know uh, Adam Brooks, with all due respect, because he's you know he, he's a quality role playing type. But you just you know he's not a guy who jumps out. Oh, he'll be claimed. You know, like Velmauk, he was just claimed uh, um, by Arizona, and you knew he was going to be claimed. Um, and and Calgary knew he was going to be claimed, but you know he was he wasn't going to make Sutter's roster. But, yeah. but in some cases, you just you just don't know. Maybe a team has a goalie go down on just the the wrong day, you know, and all of a sudden, Sancho doesn't make it through. Um, he's going to be in the opening roster too because he wasn't waived on Sunday. Yeah. So, and anybody who wasn't waived on Sunday, Hayden Hodgson is also there. Well, he, they're going to be in the opening roster because they would have to. it would have. They would have been had waived on Sunday, claimed on Monday, for the rosters filed. So he's going to be there, which means that uh, he's a number two, barring another injury. Now, that is, that's a possibility, too, is that if he's not healthy for some reason, then he could start the year on IR, and then Urson starts as a number two. So the next few days are going to be a little touch and go. Anytime you have a, an injury like that, you, you hope the guy's healthy. But, uh, but all, go, all going well, I would assume Urson goes down, gets significant playing time with, with Grosinick as a 1A, 1B situation. And, uh, and Sans would be the, the backup to Hart.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I see it playing out as well. But, and we'll see. If we, I hope Felix can stay healthy because this is a good opportunity for him. And, you know, he's drafted back in 2015. It's been seven years, and now he's got opportunity in front of him. This is generally when goalies usually get to the NHL. They're not all 20-year-olds like Hart. Um, so this is kind of the, the normal trajectory. Last thing for you, Bill. Um, we've covered a lot of coaches over our years, you're, you and I both. Uh, whether it was you know such different personalities, whether it was you know John Stevens or Peter Laviolette or Dave Hackstall or Scott Gordon or Craig Berube or Elaine Vigno or Mike Yo, and now John Tortorella. And they've all been different and they've all had different ways of communicating to their players, communicating to their players via the media. But I don't think we've ever had anything like this with John Tortorella. And he's been pretty docile, in my view, in camp so far. Honest, transparent, yes. But so far, docile. The games haven't meant anything. And he's made it very clear he doesn't put a lot of stock into the result of preseason hockey. That's about to change. What do you expect out of Torts this year?
1: I think he is, he is his finger on the pulse of his team at all times. Um, you, you know It's very hard to hide from him. You can't hide from him. So there are going to be times when uh, guys need a kick in the ass, and he's not afraid to deliver it. And there are going to be times too when he's going to want to defend his team. And you know, a lot of a lot of times when when Tortorella says something in a press conference that, that ends up on uh, NHL Network or whatever, you know, and he's not even attacking the person who asked the question; he's deflecting. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't really been reason, he hasn't felt need to do that yet, but it's coming. It, it's going to come at some point. And you know, and, and I thought it was interesting also with uh just to see how these relationships evolve. You know, Tortorello is a guy who is not afraid to tell his general manager, hey, I need I need A, I need B. This is this isn't working out with this player. He's gonna he's gonna give that feedback. And now I don't want to use the, the, the phrase. You know, honeymoon phase. But you know, you, you look at you look at it, some roster decisions going into the season, he's leaning on some of the Flyers, other people to you know, he said that he he listens to input, but he doesn't make decisions necessarily based on, on input. He, he he likes to get a, his own view of a player. But if you, if you look at the decision that was made in in putting uh, Zach McEwen on waivers and Hayden Hodgson's gonna open the season with the team. I, I think Torch made it pretty clear. A lot of this was based on, on input from other Flyers people, which, you know, Ian LaPerrière has always loved Hayden Hodgson. Um, Brent Flair, I know, is a big Hayden Hodgson guy. And I think Chuck Fletcher believes in the player, too. Um, but when he was, asked about, he was asked about McEwen's camp and he was asked about Hodgson's camp, and he said, I think that I, I think Mac wasn't great to start with, but he got better in the, the latter end of camp. And thought he had some better games and, you know, was getting, going in the right direction. was asked about Hodgson. He said, well, that's a player who, you know, I I really didn't know very much about. Um, I still don't feel like I totally have a grasp on the player. Um, A lot of people in the organization and, you know, are are high on him and talk very highly about him to me. And he said, but based on what I've seen, he was just okay. Just okay. Um, you know, I, I want to, I want to see a little bit more. So basically, basically he deferred to other people in the organization on, yeah. on this decision. But if we go in a couple of weeks into the season and he still thinks Hodgson is just okay, he's not going to hesitate to go in and say, this isn't working out. I, I just, I know you, if there's something you guys like, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah. It's um, not working with what I want.
1: Yeah. It's not. And, and you know, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully, Hopefully, he gets to the level he had. Remember his first two games with the Flyers after his call-up, is very effective. Um, and you know, so it's nothing against the player. Not that he he can't get to that, but he still has to show it. Just opening the season with the team isn't you know, it's not the be all and end all. And he he doesn't like players getting too comfortable anyway. Even we were just talking about just talking about Frost, and you know, he's he opens it by praising, but then saying you know. If right, if, and he has to keep it up basically. Yeah, you know. So you know, you're you're always proving yourself with him. Players players are used to that. He doesn't. You can't get too comfortable with him. If you can't rest in your laurels, or he'll be all over you. So, you know, I, I expect there's there's going to be some of that. He talked about his concern about the resiliency of the team. Um, that doesn't get fixed overnight, and. You know, at some point, he wants the players to take a little bit of ownership and to enforce their own accountability within the room, that it can't always be the coaches. And and he's, he's said that multiple times. And if that still is an issue, and again, it's not going to fix itself overnight, then you're going to have an unhappy coach, and, and he's going to push some buttons that some people may not want. Um, the first time you see... Uh, a guy on the upper end of the lineup, do something. He's, you know, he's shown that he'll bench a guy.
0: Yep. You know, even you scratch,
1: you know. So, you know, I mean, those, those guys too, he does really does not care who you are. And he said that, you know, in, in assessing players in camp, he deliberately doesn't want to know who's, uh, who's waiver exempt, who's waiver eligible, because he didn't without coloring his assessment. Yeah. He said that, you know, as we have it, well, Chuck, Chuck will fill in those blanks, So he just wants to assess what he sees on the ice. So I think as you're going into the season, you know, that there'll be, I think most days will be kind of similar to many days in camp. It's not like, it's not like torterelles explodes every single day, but there'll be times when it happens organically and there'll be times, you know, many times where it's, uh, I don't want to say contrived, but it's said with a certain audience in mind. uh, Audience almost always is players.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. It all starts on Thursday. Flyers will drop the puck on the season with the New Jersey Devils. It'll be at Wells Fargo Center coming up on Thursday, this Thursday, the 13th. And then Vancouver, and then a nice trip to sunny Florida to take on Tampa and Florida next week. Oh, man, that's not easy. Not an easy way to start. But and nonetheless, it, uh, you look down the schedule, and when, when you're a team without high expectations, everybody looks like a tough opponent, just the way it is especially in this Metro division. So uh, Bill, thanks for doing this as always great Monday conversation. And uh, we're counting down the days to the puck drops on the season coming up on Thursday night. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand new episode. Again, we're going daily. We are not taking a day off like we haven't in the past couple of years. I think I just looked the other day. Uh, We're up almost at 700 episodes of flyers daily. Since we launched it, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that number, but we're going to pack a whole bunch more in this season and we'll hope you'll be along with us for the ride. Rebuild stuff at NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and HockeyBuzz.com and get yourself ready for the season. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Tuesday edition of Flyersdale.